Hey guys, welcome to the new episode of Why Before You Buy. I stole it from Marco, I'm sorry. You don't have to steal it, it's oh, the podcast's idea. Oh my god. I just get royalties. <laughs> Every time you say it, I get a percentage, I get a cut. For anyone who's tuning in now before any of the other episodes, Marco, what is Why Before You Buy? Oh my god, I've been put on the spot. I wasn't practicing. Um, he was looking so, at himself in the mirror. No, I was playing Pokemon, sorry. <laughs> Let me just X this out. Uh, so why before you buy is um, uh, I was gonna call it a mini show, but it's it's straight up just a, a segment. It's just a show. It's just now. a show um, that we do, um, where we go through some of the Dungeons and Dragons expansions. Would you call it modules, expansions, supplementary content, downloadable content. Yeah, like um, we do. You know, we did Taldore Reborn. We did Taldore. We did the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. We did the Curse of Strahd. Super Coffin Deluxe Edition. Yeah. Um, the, are we, uh, I believe they call it the Stendo Goth Edition. The Stendo Black Doc Martin Edition. Um, the Fishnet Edition. No. <laughs> the Hot Topic Edition. Is what you're yeah. Um, Sky, feel free to chip in as our resident goth. All right, thank you. So, why before you buy? Um, so, we're going to, we go through, um, each episode we go through a... Uh, um, and, uh, like we said before, an expansion, uh, uh, a little book on supplementary stuff you can get for Dungeons and Dragons. We go through, we explain some basic detail of, of the book, and we, we essentially just go through and talk about whether it's going to be worth it before you, you know, put your hard-earned money into it, you know? Or not so hard-earned, whatever. Oh, yeah. For, for those who are rich, <laughs> subscribe to the Patreon. Um, and, yeah, you, you just like feel like a collector. You know, we this this one's for, for people who play, for people who um, who DM, for people who maybe just write fantasy, for people who yeah. just like collector's items. You know, it caters to all, um, to all those groups. I've heard of a few people that just get the modules but only use it for, like, monsters, but they never run the modules. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like mm. It's, just, it's in a... It's like an advisory thing. Well, something like I, yeah. like I just mentioned before, which I didn't really think of an aspect of it before, is people who write fantasy stuff but who aren't necessarily into D&D, I'm sure these books are a great way to gather ideas for like stuff that you write. Definitely. Or stuff like that. You know, if you write like high fantasy kind of stuff. I would agree. But we digress. Okay. Cody, Alas. what is today's episode going to be about? I've been harking on about this one for a while and i'm actually kind of keen to get into it a little bit but we're going to do um the wild beyond the Witchlight, a fey wild adventure so Ooh. this was this was the first if i do remember correctly this was the first adventure module that wizards of the coast did that was set in the fey wild not having aspects of the fey wild brought to the material realm so Ooh. can you repeat that sorry i was trying to do two things at once, and uh, I just heard a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Sorry. So I believe this is the first adventure that Wizards of the Coast did that was set in the Feywild mm-hmm. instead of most versions where it's Feywild elements brought to the material plane. Oh, okay. Like you actually go to the Fey okay. and you go to if you would. I like to crane your neck backwards and look at the map behind you, the domain of Prismia, which is uh, where Wild Beyond the Witchlight is set. So yon thither and hither, but we will cover that. A little bit more, maybe, if we duck into it. There's a dog wearing a, a cool hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a cone? A Is that cool the hat. word you're looking for? A cone? A cone. Uh, no, cool hat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that map is Are we both not cool. right? <laughs> that map is very cool. I like it. On the back is the um, uh, the aforementioned Witchlight Carnival, which is where a lot of the adventure starts. 
we're probably not going to get too much into the actual adventure because I don't want to. I don't want to break or seal too much of it away from people that haven't run it yet or haven't mm. read it and they want to get the full thing of it for themselves. But I'm definitely going to cover the stuff, the mechanical stuff that people like, which is like um you know new PC backgrounds, new races you had access to, character traits, some story hooks, and then the realm of hither, thither, and yon, and then oh sorry rather the realm of Prismia with those areas. And then we'll probably shoot it off to an open table at the end where we can sort of just cross-reference everything that we've done. Fun. But with that, I guess we can just jump into the overview. And I like the... Oh, so nice. It's d and ASMR. Yeah, we got that. Lovely. Oh. <laughs> nice. Oh, do you hear those dice? Those so I guess... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I broke, the, I broke the immersion. So I guess I'll... I'll read out the quick little blurb of the adventure summary. So this is like one of the first little bits you read right at the beginning. And obviously these are, it is aimed more towards DMs and stuff, but it's been out for a while, so I'm sure a lot of people have read it. But let's give you a little bit. The main antagonists of this story are three hags who collectively form the Hourglass Coven, which is described in Appendix B of the book. These hags are the adoptive, sister, adoptive sisters of Igwil, a powerful figure from D&D's past, and a key player in the adventure's unfolding drama. Uh, using an artifact called Igwilf's Cauldron, the hags have trapped an archfey named Zilvina in temporal stasis and carved her up for fade and carved up her fade domain among them. This domain is called Prismia, thus what the map is. To enter it, the characters must first visit visit the visit the Witchlight Carnival, which travels across the material plane and appears on the character's world once every eight years. The carnival owners are a pair of Shadarkai, elves native to Shadowfell named Mr. Witch and Mr. Light, who can help or hinder the character's efforts to reach Prismia. One of the many novelties of this adventure is that the characters can accomplish their goals without resorting to violence, but only if they're clever. They can fight their way through the adventure as well, but the odds won't always be in their favour. So that really hammered home right at the beginning that if you really want to basically pull an Undertale and do a pacifist run, you can do that. Mm -hmm. I think... The reason they put that at the beginning is to intrigue you to give you the challenge because certain classes, you know, like usually charisma is like as an example for a fighter, usually charisma would be a dumb stat. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like you get better out of decks, your, your constitution and your, your strength. But when if a person reads that or a DM wants to read that to their players, they're going to be like, well, maybe I can spread my stats more evenly and do something like that. I think that's really cool. I also think it's really cool the fact that this is the only adventure that is actually designed to allow you to win, win, beat it without ever getting into a fight. Yeah, I like that. That's a groovy option. Which is yeah. very cool. Do you think it's important to tell that? Like, would would you, like, would you tell your your players that, or would you let them know the hard way at the end when they've killed everything? <laughs> yeah, you could have gone through this with like zero bloodshed, my guy. Um, I don't know, like. I guess it just depends. I think for this, I think for this book, it makes a lot of sense because there's been a lot of references to the Feywild where they do that. Well, the Feywild are very much like, you know, they're very intrinsically whimsical folk and they like to make deals and they make a buy. They're like, you know, I've had, I've heard some discussions where sometimes Fey beings can be just as devious as devils and demons. Oh, yeah. But in like a, in a light hearty sort of way. That's not to say that aren't Fae that aren't absolute 
dickweeds. Like, yeah. they can be absolute dickweeds, dude. Watch but, your profanity. Watch your profanity. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I think it was, I think it's good that they put that at the beginning because I think it just gives that extra little bit of spice where it's like, hey, if you really want to try, you could do that. Imagine if your party get into a tussle and it ends up being, because this is Adventures 1 through 8. So it's quite a low level adventure. Like, you're not even breaking into level 10. Mm-hmm. Um, to go, one of your party members might just be good enough that they can get you out of a pickle by persuading someone to stop or, you know, convincing mm-hmm. someone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just fun. I think it just adds a little bit more of a, it's like, hey, this is really what you can do. I think this would be really cool. So that's what I think. So that's basically the overview. I don't want to jump too much into the actual, <laughs> like, campaign chapters and all that sort of stuff. But one bit that I really wanted to do was the... um. Uh, the player character backgrounds because there's two really cool ones in here. Just quickly before we yes, do that. Um, sorry, I just wanted to look up. Um, I just looked at like, how Wild Beyond the Witchlight did like in terms of sales yeah. and stuff. So for hardcover books, for the week ending September 25th, um, it was number six and sold pretty much 16,500 units. Okay, um, um, what, were the, what were the other top five? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not reading it from a list. I'm just oh. reading it from um, a blurb about just the book okay, itself. Um, I mean, if you guys just want to fill time, I'll look up. <laughs> well, let's talk about those. Okay, well, Marco pulls yeah. up the, pull up the numbers, Marco. <laughs> so we'll go into the I'm backgrounds. I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. So I believe if I do, I'm just double checking to make sure I'm not talking out my AS. Um, it is... So first one is Fae Lost. So you grew up in the Fae Wild after disappearing from your home plane as a child. Perhaps you were spirited away by a kindly Fae who thought you were destined for great things. Perhaps you stumbled through a Fae crossing by chance during a twilight stroll in the woods. Perhaps you were kidnapped by evil Fae but escaped from their clutches. Whatever the manner of your disappearance, you gradually fell under the Fae Wild spell and learned a little about the nature of the mercurial tricksters that dwell there. These are backgrounds, right? These are backgrounds, yeah. When you finally returned to your home plane, you did not come back unchanged. You are haunted by the fact that the Feywild, a mirror world hidden behind a mere twist of perception, is only a hair's breadth away. Although your memories of the Feywild grow fainter with each passing day, your heart swells with a mixture of fear and joy at the prospect of one day venturing back to the plane of fairy, your home away from home. So with a Fey lost, you actually get some um, proficiency. Like both of these actually offer you proficiencies. So skill proficiencies, deception and survival, tool proficiencies, one type of musical instrument, languages, one of your choice of elvish, gnomish, goblin, or sylvan. Sylvan, I believe, is animal folk, if I remember correctly. Equipment, musical instrument, one of your choice, a set of traveler's clothes, three trinkets, each determined by rolling on the Feywild trinkets table, and a pouch containing eight gold pieces. Uh, Fey Mark, you were transformed in some small way by your stay in the Fey World and gained a Fey Mark determined by rolling on the Fey Mark table. So it's basically a physical feature that you can pick from from the table that is like something that was bestowed upon you from when you were in the Fey World. So this is it's a D8. So roll that D8 for me. Tell me what you get. A seven. Your hair is made of vines or brambles and grows back to normal length within one hour of being cut. That's cool. Can and I roll? Yeah, well, I can actually roll one. Sure, go for it. Two. You have a sweet scent like that of nectar or honey. Ooh. Like just little little whimsical things like that. You know what I mean? Like it's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. 
Um, I think Dick that. That's the, the, the trinkets table is insane. It's a D one hundred roll for a trinket. So you know oh, what? Let's yeah, just yeah. Let's do it. Let's do um, it. Let's get let's do it. One hundred and where's my D ten? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roll that. Oh, oh shit. You roll that. Tell me what you get. Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. A wooden pan flute that attracts harmless local fauna when played. That's so oh, now good. Now Marcus gonna roll one too. Yeah. I want like the opposite. <laughs> uh, fifty. Fifty flat. Okay. A tiny hourglass with sand in it. Wow. Mine's not as cool. I want to read. I want to call John's. <laughs> you want? You want to re-roll? Uh, 12. <laughs> I was going to say, 22. <laughs> 22. 12. A pendant that shows the phases of the moon. Ooh. Like this, this phases thing. of the moon. Shout out grade nine science class. One in gibbous waxing crescent. Anyway. <laughs> I'm a waxing crescent kind of guy. Alrighty. So continuing on after, obviously, the Mark one. There's some cool ones. I'll just like, I'll read them out. So number one, your eyes swirl with iridescent colors. Number two, you have a sweet scent like that of nectar or honey. Number three, you have long whiskers like that of a cat. Number four, your ears are covered with soft tufts of fur. Five, your skin sparkles in moonlight. Number six, flowers bloom. This one's cool. Number six, The skin of a monster, Bella. (laughs) (laughs) Where you been, loca? (laughs) Batman. Um... Number six, this is one I like. Flowers either bloom or wilt in your presence, but you get to choose which one. That's cool. Which, That's cool. Um, number seven, your hair is made of uh, vines and brambles. And number eight, you have a tail like that of a dog or another animal. I feel like these are all great for like a druid class. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Well, when Dusk what... and Dawn make their, their breakout onto the silver screen, um, we're definitely picking some of these. Well, I that's what that... Ashley, Ashley Johnson in Campaign 3 Critical Role is Fern, who's a... Uh, a satyr or a fawn, whatever the words oh, are. Um, and yeah. she's a wolf. She's a fae wolf I drew her. So she's got like, you know, plants growing her hair and all that sort of stuff. And That's cool. It's that. very cool. Um, this, this is a cool one. Fae wild visitor. When your sound is, whenever you're sound asleep or in a deep trance during a long rest, a spirit of the fae wild might pay you a visit if the DM wishes it. Determine the spirit's form by rolling on the fae wild visitor table. No harm ever comes to you as a result of such visits which can last for minutes or hours, and you remember each visit when you wake up. Conversations that occur with a visitor can contain any number of things from messages and insights to nonsense and red herrings. At the DM's discretion, such conversations are always conducted in a language you can understand even if the Feywild visitor can't speak that language normally. So, um, who... That's pretty Marco, roll cool. this D8 for me. Hmm. I'd be on it. Five. Five. Uh, you are visited by a pixie. Farewell, pixie. Yep. Hey, this someone. Don't worry about that one. That was also a five. Okay, that was also a five. Oh, my God. One more five will kick you out. Seven. <laughs> uh, you will be visited by a sprite. Oh. Let me just for good measure. Okay, no, it was a four. It's all right. It's not cursed. A four would be a fairy dragon. Just oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, like, ah. Whoa. Shout out to Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Anyway, sorry, that's a, another Yu-Gi-Oh. I have to fit one Yu-Gi-Oh reference in each episode of Why Before You Buy. It wouldn't Otherwise be my show without it. That's right. I have this big Yu-Gi-Oh shoulder-to-shoulder tattoo on my back. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Konami. Who made Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Konami. Thank you. Anyway. Um, feature. Feywild Connection. Your mannerisms and knowledge of Fey customs are recognized by natives of the Feywild who see you as one of their own. Because of this, 
Friendly fae creatures are inclined to come to your aid if you are lost or need help in the fae wild. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> would you... Would you... Because, like, the... Mm, would you play these, like, kind of... These are still backgrounds, right? These are Yeah, these are character backstories. Like, yeah. isn't it kind of, like, weird with the story if you play a character who's recognised to be, like, fae... And like, oh, like with one of the people, if you're traveling from a magical carnival to get to this place, I believe that actually comes up in the book mm. because remember, this is this is Fay lost. So this was mm. like a child or a young mm. person that got lost in the Fay, but then came back. So gotcha. they're back in the material plane. So that works really well in the story. If the Witchlight mm. Carnival rolls around, your character might be because dr- every people know what the Witchlight Carnival is. They know it comes from the Fay. And they know it's like a, it's a Feywild thing. Mm. So your character example might be inclined to go, I need to go there because I'll recognize people that I'll know these sort of things. Gangster. Which I think is very cool. It's automatically yeah. an easy story hook for you to follow, especially if you're, if this is your first adventure and you're like, oh wait, I was, I was a Fey lost. Maybe I can go there and I can talk to someone about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. For I new like players, that. it's very yeah. inviting, but it's also just a very easy way to start a story. If you just if like if you're just playing this for the sake of playing and having some fun, it's for a good introduction. It's very, yeah. it's very good. Again, I when I first read through this book, I was I was like, if I'm gonna run a module, this is the one that I'm gonna run because this one is just so fun to me. Like we run a pretty like we take we take the Mickey a lot in our campaigns, like the embrace and all that sort of stuff, but. This there's something about there's still some dark moments and like this to me is like just so whimsical that like mm. you, it's a good break which would be really good yeah but that leads us on to our second one mm. the witchlight hand so you crept into the witchlight carnival as a child or youth and never looked back earning a place among those who work behind the scenes to keep the carnival in business as a hand you work you work hard and party hard. The carnival has borne you to many fantastic worlds, circling back around to your home world once every eight years. But you know almost nothing about these worlds because you spend all your time in the carnival. You know the other hands well, but the carnival's owners, Mr. Witch and Mr. Light, remain mysterious to you even after all these years. Maybe you joined the carnival to escape a dismal life at home, or maybe you were enchanted by the idea of visiting new places or the dream of becoming one of the carnival star attractions. Now that you're older... Carnival life has lost some of its appeal. The daily routine has grown tedious. The cyclical nature of the carnival's journey, monotonous. The carnival no longer fills your heart with a sense of wonder. Perhaps greater adventure awaits you beyond the carnival's gates. So that one, again, really throws you a good bone in the typical... It's taking the idea of wanderlust and doubling mm. down. Oh, I, I, I ran away from home enjoying the carnival because it was the best thing ever. But because you're working for the carnival as a carnival hand, you're never allowed to leave the confines of the carnival wherever you travel. So now you're you're basically just in the same spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it works really well. But with this one as well, you also get um you get different little special bits as well, which is what I love the fact that these two player backgrounds alone give you so much extra stuff yeah. to really make your character unique. Mm. So skill skill proficiencies, performance and sleight of hand Obviously, perfect pick. Tool proficiencies, disguise, kit, or one type of musical instrument. Languages, one of your choice. So you just get to pick which one. Mm. 
Equipment, a disguise kit or a musical instrument of your choice, a deck of cards, a carnival uniform or costume, one trinket, determined by rolling up on the Feywild drinking a trinkets table, and pouch containing eight gold pieces. So, typical stuff. Uh, carnival companion, over the years, you have earned the friendship of another another carnival fixture. That's cool. Roll a D8 and consult the carnival companion table to determine whom or what you've befriended. Or you can choose an option that you like. Work with your DM to flesh out this friendship. This companion hangs around you while you're in the carnival, but it won't voluntarily leave the carnival. Your D- the DM can use the Witchlight Hand stat block in Chapter 1 to represent hands, performers, and animal trainers who serve as carnival companions. Statistics for other companions appear in the Monster Manual, because, again, some fake creatures are in the Monster Manual. Mm-hmm. But, Marco, you've got the D8. Mm-hmm. Roll that for me. Uh, six. You've got an old blink dog. What the hell is a blink dog? A dog that um can blink in and out of existence. They like do they do like misty step jumps. I basically. love that. Old Blinky <laughs> had to take old Blinky behind the tent. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> had to word a power kill that old. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just gotta go for it. You got six as well. Reroll it. Come on, do something different. Two. Young impressionable witchlight hand. Oh. So it's like a young impressionable person yeah, who works there's some good ones in here. Number one, an old cantankerous witch light hand. Number two, a young and impressionable witch light hand. Three, a performer such as an acrobat, a clown, or a musician. Four, retired performer. Five, a seasoned animal trainer. Six, old blank dog. Seven, a cheery sprite. Or eight, a harmless magical wisp of light. No stat block required. That has a flying speed of 30 feet, can hover and sheds bright light in a five foot radius and a dim light for an additional five feet. So Navi from... So you literally, you can just get a sentient bit of light. I dig that. No, I no stat, that. but it's no stat vlog. Like it doesn't have HP or AC or anything. It's just light. It just exists. That one I think is my favorite. I, hey, do, like, I, do, I do like the old hey. dog though. Cool. Feature. So the feature for this one is a carnival fixture. The Witchlight Carnival provides you with free, modest lodging and food. In addition, you may wander about the carnival and partake of its many wonders at no cost to you, provided you do not disrupt its shows or cause any other trouble. I dig that. So you can wander freely throughout the carnival because, at you know, part of the adventure, at some point you have to end, go to the carnival. Mm, if you're yeah. a carnival hand, obviously you start the adventure inside the carnival, slightly adjacent to where the other players would be, but you can freely move about, which, again, makes openings for great storytelling if the parties are crossing... The players are crossing paths and not realizing it, or any, or you know, in game they're not realizing it, any of the like. It's really, it's really good. I really like those backgrounds. No, I, actually, I dig that. I yeah. actually used the Fae Lost background for um, a character that I built last night mm-hmm. because I was struck with inspiration from Critical Role. But um, I'll talk about it at the end because I really want to talk about it because I'm, I'm so proud of him because it's just such a weird little character for me. Okay. Um, but now we get to races. This is where it gets exciting. I dig that. It's always, it's always good when a book brings out new player character stuff because mm. you're just like, what are they going to give me? So, all the character races presented in the player's handbook are well suited for this adventure, as are fairies and harangons, both presented below. If you if you allow players to create fairy or harangon characters for this adventure, they should assume that their characters are from the same world as the other player characters and has ne- have never set foot in the fae wild despite their fae heritage. So there's a little hook that it gives you there. Unless you feel confident that you could ring it in a different way, then Mm. feel free to. Um, Obviously, creating your character at first level, you choose whether your character is a member of the human race or a humanoid race or of a fantastical race. If you select fantastical race such as fairy or harangon in this section, follow these additional rules during character creation. 
Um, so what do we have here? Do they have pickies of them? They do. Um, I will show them as I get there. So they have typical stuff, languages, creature type, lifespan, height, height and weight, blah, blah, blah. We can cover that a little bit more, but let's get to the raw meat of it. So the first new one that came out was Fairy. So the Feywild is home to many fantastic peoples, including fairies. Fairies are a wee folk, but not nearly as much so as their pixie and sprite friends. Their f the first fairies spoke elvish goblin or sylvan, and encounters with human visitors prompted many of them to learn common as well. Infused with the magic of the Feywild, most fairies look like small elves with insectile wings, but each fairy has a special physical characteristic that sets the fairy apart. For your fairy, roll on the fey characteristics table or choose an option from it. You're also free to come up with your own characteristic if none of the suggestions below fit your character. Um, do we have that D8? Let's do it with that D8, go. Right here. Throw that D8 down see what you get. Six. Six. Uh, your legs are insectile. Oh! Come on, Michael, what did you get? Well, wait, but what kind of legs would you pick? Yeah, we'll pick. We'll, we'll, like, would you pick like centipede? <laughs> like a like a centaurpede? No. no, centipede. No, a centaurpede. The top oh half yes, chop fairy and the fair. bottom half is yes. centipede mm. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. Marco on it. <laughs> He's gonna be convincing. Four. A glittering mist constantly surrounds you. Oh, Ooh, my God, I was gonna say we might have to leave beautiful. that out. <laughs> I'm beautiful. Leave what out? I'm gonna take that. Oh, I was gonna say the D four, but I think the tables change as you go on. Alrighty. Ah, uh, Fairy traits. As a fairy, you have the following racial traits. Uh, creature type, you are a fae. Size, you are small. Speed, your walking speed is 30 feet. Fairy magic. You know the Druidcraft cantrip. Uh, starting at third level, you can cast the fairy fire spell with this trait as well. Starting at fifth level, you can also cast the enlarge reduce spell with this trait. Once you cast fairy fire or enlarge reduce with this trait, you can't cast a spell with it again until you finish mm -hmm. a long rest. You can also cast either of those spells using any spell spots, spell slots that you have of the appropriate level. Intelligence, wisdom, or charisma is your spell casting ability for these spells. When you cast them with this trait, you get to choose which one when you select the race. That's something that's really cool. I dig that. Normally you don't, you know, you don't really get a choice with much of them. And flight. Because of your wings, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. You can't use this flying speed if you're wearing medium or heavy armor. That's cool. That is very cool. I like that. I dig that. I, it's it's just different enough that it's like, this is really fun, but it's not over-stimulating the person to be yeah. like confused. You know what I mean? Next is my favorite. Just playing a small spicy druid. A small, Yeah, mini spicy druid, literally. Next is the rabbit man, the harangon. Oh, I was trying to wonder what that is. Rabbit man. So there's there's your fairy ones there in the book. Oh, I that's that. cool. And that's your harangon, little it's rabbit George man. It's George Shrinks. It's George Shrinks. I love that. Oh, because is it H-A-R-E? Yeah, hair. Hair. Hair, hair and hair. Or, and but I think there's another thing for it because it's hair and gone, here and gone because they're so quick. Because they're so quick. I think that's what that's meant to be. I might hmm. be wrong, but... So Harangons originated in the Feywild where they spoke Sylvan and embodied the spirit of freedom and travel. In time, these rabbit folk hopped into other worlds, bringing the Fey realm's exuberance with them and learning new languages as they went. Harangons are bipedal with the characteristic uh, long feet of the rabbits. They resemble and fur in a variety of colors. They share the keen senses and powerful legs of leporine creatures and are full of energy like a wound up spring. 
Harangons are blessed with little fae, with a little fey luck, and they often find themselves a few fortunate feet away from dangers during adventures. So I know what they talk about in that because when I built uh, my Harangon fighter last night, it's got some it's got some cool stuff to get you out of like dicey situations. Mm-hmm. So Harangon traits: as a Harangon, you have the following racial traits. You are a creature type. You are a humanoid. Size, you are medium or small. You get to choose the size when you select cool. this race. Um, speed, so you can be medium, which is, I believe, is humanoid, mm-hmm. and up-ish, or small, which is like halfling, gnome, all that sort of stuff. So, speed, your walking speed is 30 feet. <laughs> this one's called Hair Trigger, H-A-R-E. Very cool. You can add your proficiency bonus to your initiative rolls. Leporine Senses. You have proficiency in the perception skill. Lucky footwork. When you fail a dexterity save, saving throw, you can use your reaction to roll a d4 and add it to the save, potentially turning the failure into a success. You can't use this reaction if you're prone or your speed is zero. And the rabbit hop. As a bonus action, you can jump a number of feet equal to five times your proficiency bonus without provoking opportunity attacks. You can what? Use tra- you can use this trait only once if your speed is. You can use this trait only if your speed is greater than zero. You can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So, uh, if your proficiency bonus is two, more commonly when you start adventures, that means you can use this feature two times. Mm-hmm. Five times, feet each. Times five, which yeah. is ten. So you can get a ten feet hop. And you get no opportunity attacks. It's basically it's basically a free bug out. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you can have some creatures that have ten feet reach, but moving directly out of contact with them is not going to instigate that, like fighting a bugbear yeah. or something. So that's sick. I that's love it. Yeah, cool. I dig that. That's I really cool. Love that. And it's just like <laughs> let them all. <laughs> like it's like, what do you mean, bro? What do you mean? I'd love to play a campaign that's all this class, and it's just like a bunch of like. Rabbit folk, just a bunch of rabbit folk going on an adventure. Like I'd love, I'd love to do like just the story of Lord of the Rings, but we're all (laughs) we're all rabbit folk. I dig that. Yeah, that's cool. The paw of the rings. (laughs) Jesus, Um, throw the lucky foot into the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Destroy it. (laughs) I love that movie. I love that franchise so much. Thank you. Excellent. What are you doing next weekend? (laughs) Marathon, baby. So, uh, character traits. Uh, this this offers up um, new personality traits and bonds and flaws specifically for this Fae adventure, which I think is kind of cool. It's slightly different than the typical one you get on like D&D Beyond. It's like, you know, I'll do anything to protect my friends even if it kills me, like that sort of stuff. Um, as players choose backgrounds for their characters, they can choose the following tables to help determine their character's personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Now, for people like us, where we all have at a minimum of six characters that we have banked up for when we play games, mm-hmm. we have a good idea of how these characters run. This is really good for new players. If they're struggling to roleplay, again, adventure one to eight levels, perfect. Really mm. gives them a good idea to help them guide to really step their foot into roleplay. You know what I mean? Um, again, these tables, while optional, are well suited to Feywild-themed adventures and are ideal for any character who has the Fey Lost or the Witchlight hand background. So... Let's go. You know what? We are. These are all D eight rolls. So mm. we're just gonna we're just gonna do the lot. I love doing. I these. love this interactive gameplay we're doing. Alrighty. So first one is your personality traits, Marco. Go for it. Eight. I can't bring myself to trust most adults. Oh. Sky, you can roll the next one. This is your ideals. Four. 
Changeability. Change is good, which is why I live by an ever-changing set of rules, which is chaotic. Marco, you'll be rolling for bonds. Three. I do what I can to protect the natural world. Ooh. And the next one is your flaws. All of them. One. I easily lose track of time. My poor sense of time means I'm always late. That's just me in real life. You're telling me you could play a rabbit who's always late? I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. I'm over you. I'm in a rabbit stew. Guys, <laughs> freaking out, guys. Yes, I love that. Oh, uh, fun fact about me. I was in the Alice in Wonderland musical. I was there. I lost it. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> Ladies, send the DMs my way. <laughs> Please carry on. Okay, I'm just moving through. Okay, so I'll quickly cover the story hooks. So these, there's two options. Again, there's two options in the book that you can use if mm. you find you you don't want to write one or you want to try and keep one that's true yeah. to the adventure. So you've got two to pick from, which is Lost Things or Warlock's Quest. Both hooks assume that all the characters come from the same world, even if they don't have a history together. The adventure also assumes that the characters, even ones with the Witchlight Hand background, have no prior knowledge of Zabilna, the Feywild Domain of Prismere, or the Hourglass Coven. None of those names should be familiar to them at the outset. Obviously, kind of breaking the rules a little bit, giving a little bit away about the campaign, but again, we're not going to story missions or anything like that. It's just yeah. to give a good idea. I guess, this, I guess this is good for a lot of people that either like want to read it or they want to DM it, all that sort of stuff. So we'll look at Lost Things. Lost Things, use this hook if you want the characters to have a strong personal investment in the story. Choose a settlement in the character's world near which the Witchlight Carnival will appear. Each character in the adventuring party visited the Witchlight Carnival when they were a child. In fact, they snuck in without buying a ticket mm. and had something stolen from them. Fate brings the characters together as adults, united by the common goal of retrieving what they had lost. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, And you can make it like that whimsical thing too where it's like, um, oh, you know, they, you had something stolen from, you could, you could narrate that entire beginning part where it's like, as you leave the carnival, knowing that your, your trinket that you always kept on your belt has now been lost inside the walls of a carnival, which comes oh, once only ever eight years. And that urge to find it haunted you until such a time where you heard the ringing of the bells as the, as the Fey wild yes. creatures descended into the reality and the Witch White Carnival again sets up just adjacent to your town in the woods. You know what I mean? Something like that. Which is really, really cool. I dig that. No, I really like that. There's um there's a there's a table in here called Determining What Was Lost, which I really liked and I wanted to cover with you guys really quickly. Yay. Each character having lost something precious as a child is unable to gain inspiration, as described in the player's handbook, until they get back what was taken from them. That means they can't be given DMs inspiration, you know what I mean, to like oh. help them with anything because something there's something from their soul was taken from them. A uh, remove curse spell is not powerful enough to end this effect on a character, but a wish spell can. This might not seem like much of a drawback as characters can cope just fine without ever gaining inspiration. Think of it more as a splinter under one's fingernail, a nagging, mildly painful annoyance that slightly diminishes one's happiness. Hags, by their cruel actions, can spread aggravation and misery throughout the multiverse in all sorts of ways. The players don't know it yet, but the Witchlight Carnival operates under a peculiar set of rules. By entering the carnival without tickets to children, the characters inadvertently set themselves up to be robbed. Whatever thing was taken from each character as a child vanished suddenly while the character was distracted by the magic of the carnival. 
All such thefts can be traced back to the hags of Prismia, who use thieves to acquire and collect all manner of strange things, and to whom the carnival owners are beholden. For each character in the adventuring party, roll a d8 and consult the Lost Things table <laughs> to determine what was stolen from that character. If a player doesn't like the result, you may let them choose an option they prefer. You can swap out some of the entries on the Lost Things table with others that you or your players create using the ones described below as models. So roll a d8, Sky, and let's see what you lost. I lost my Six. mind. <laughs> uh, you lost your sense of direction. Oh, oh I thought it was going to be more physical. <laughs> what? What did you get? I lost my will to live. <laughs> Uh, seven, thank you. You lost your sense of fashion. <laughs> oh no! It's out of a take life! It's out of a life! You mean these jeggings and crocs don't go together? <laughs> no! <laughs> you crazy, crazy boy. Oh shit. But yeah, I think that's that's enough for that one. We'll go into the quick uh, blurb on the Warlocks quest. This is the second mm. story hook. Use this hook if you or your players don't like the idea of the characters having to find things that they lost as children and will prefer a more traditional adventure setup. This hook requires that one or more characters have backgrounds unconnected to the Witchlight Carnival. If you're using the adventure's story tracker, you won't need to fill out the Lost Things section, just leave it blank. In this preamble, an aging warlock named Madrick Roslov tells the characters, those not working at the Witchlight Carnival, about a fairy realm called Prismia which can be reached only by finding and using a fey crossing in the carnival. Madrick says that his archfey patron, Zabilna, rules Prismia. He begs the characters to journey to this domain and find out what has happened to, happened to them with whom he has lost contact. And if you like, you can replace Madrick Roslov with any different NPC who better suits you. Ah, uh, yes. Very typical fey wild's name. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Madrick. But you can call me Madrick. <laughs> Very common. <laughs> I am working hard, American boy. <laughs> there, there, there. Yeah, um, there's a little picture of the Witchlight Hunt ticket. Admit one. Aww. That's cool. And, um, Beetle and Grimm's, which is the company that's Ooh. owned by Matthew Lillard that does all the big expansion boxes we are talking about for Curse of Strahd, mm -hmm. they their Witchlight ones are due to come out and they actually come with little tickets that you can hand around oh, to your party, like actual I physical tickets. That. It's yeah. awesome. It's like 600 quid Australian and I'm almost... <laughs> that tax deductible? <laughs> Marco, Surely. are you okay? <laughs> Help me. Surely, right? But the urge to somehow get $600 to buy it is very real. But then again, they just announced pre-orders for Spelljammer, so I might do that instead. What's it called? Uh, the, the, the Beetle and Grimm's. Pandemonium. Beetle and Grimm's are B-E-A-D-L and Grimm's. Oh, okay. Yep. Pandemonium Warehouse. But yeah, so two story hooks there. Platinum edition. Yeah. So two Ooh. story hooks there to help you get into oh, the story God. if you don't feel if you don't feel like you could write one. Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these modules, it's like if you really want to try hard enough, you can insert them into your own campaign. Absolutely. If you don't want to write yeah. them, you can like literally that especially that warlock one. You could definitely just drop that into your game yeah. wherever you wanted. Yeah. That'd be so easy. Yeah, like, if you get to the end of a campaign, you're like, oh, man, like, I'm actually struggling to figure out what to do. Yes, it's Adventures 1 through 8, but you could balance it. Just double up the enemies or make the, give the enemy, instead of making more enemies, give them high HP. Give them yeah. customizer mm. spells and stuff. It's totally doable. But I really I was like reading up on, um, uh... Sorry, I'll go through this in a yeah, moment. Yeah, no, you go through um, that because I'm actually looking. Well, I got for the two next things. Section. The first thing is, um, I was reading Ooh. up on like someone's. There's the map of the carnival. Just Ooh, before we so... get into that, I love 
That's cool. It looks like a Where's Wally book. That is. Just it looks like it. Where's Wally meets um, um, Age of Empires. Yes. <laughs> so Seb built his gaming board for the Witchlight Carnival based on this entire thing. He built a. Like he, a 3D one? He built a whole tabletop of me. It basically would oh spend my God, the Where can you find that video? Uh, that is on YouTube. It's Seb Make Stuff. Oh my Look Lord. It up. He actually just released a video, if not yesterday, the day before, about making a traveling giant tortoise merchant where he made <gasps> a giant I saw tortoise. that. It's so cool. Yeah, it's you very, need to see it. Sorry, cute. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be present in the. It's in the very season. adorable <laughs> and it has inspired me to make something for you guys for our campaign. Oh, <laughs> yeah, boy. But yes, Marco, continue um, on while I find uh, so it. One of the things that I saw, because I, I was reading up, just like what people think of um, Wild Bill the Witchlight. And there's this guy who did like a Reddit post, so you automatically know that he's um, the foremost authority on um, <laughs> on on this. Um, hell, the watch internet me, gave me permission. Watch me by my words is actually like the creator of it or some, something. Um, but he was saying like one of the negatives, of which he had like very few, is that it can. It's one of the drawbacks is you're not gonna get high level encounters with cool monsters. That no. like a really high level, um, but I guess if you know this story back to front, you can you can put your own stuff in there to. Yes. If you want, like once you know, if you know how the game of D and D is played, and you know the story and exactly how it's to be played, you know you don't want to stray too far. You can obviously, of cater it to a high level. Yeah, but you, you just have to just it. yeah, you yeah. can rebalance it. That's so like I kind of it's like, I immediately disregarded that comment because it's like. Because to me, that sounds like a technical statement. Where it's like, like, it's, he's like, hey, it's, it's technical, not bad. But it's like, it's like, that can be fixed. This can be fixed easily by just, you do a bit of research. Rejig it, yeah. Absolutely. Which um, just I re- think is incredible. Just real quick before you go on. To no, go on, go for it. Man. I sort of read what the Platinum Edition of the um, Beetle and Grimm's Wild Bill and the Witchlight thing has in it. I watched an unpacking video of XP to level three, um, also known as Arcane Arcade, where they, they stream a lot of their D&D games. Um, I watched them do an unboxing and I actually can't remember if they had the Platinum Edition or not so I can't remember if everything is in there but well, let me go through this. this off Sky you, right. this will blow so your mind we have the entire adventure book broken into easy to use booklets yeah they break it down into like three separate books oh shit which is cool uh, and the digital version of the adventure from D&D Beyond very cool a curated set of 17 pre-painted WizKids minis from their Wild Beyond the Witchlight set including two huge and three large minis, and all three hags. Beautifully painted canvas map of the Feywild land of Prismia. Nine... So pull- that map, but canvas, like proper. That's cool. Yeah. Holy Nine pulled-out colour area maps for the adventure it in a pocket in a folder. Tube, yeah. In a large In a large map of the Witchlight Carnival on canvas paper. Mm-hmm. Seven original gridded battle maps designed for key areas and encounters in the adventure. An exclusive DM screen. Do you have that DM screen? No, that that's that's a Beetle and Grimm exclusive. You oh, wow. only get that from them. I'll have to look yeah. what that one is in a second. Oh well, actually, you can buy you can buy DM screens from Wizards of the Coast mm. for the particular adventures, but I believe the one for that one is like it's a completely custom print, like it's all. Um. So yeah, exclusive DM screen with original art of the Witchlight Carnival and Prismia, along with key tables and information. Sixty in, sixty encounter cards show players, um, art of who they're encountering while showing the DM stats and role playing information. Artists crafted in-world handouts and artifacts, including letters, clues, posters, jewelry, and unique artifacts. Um, like Shit! A, like a life-size unicorn horn. What? Yes. I'll show you a picture of this in a second. A life-size unicorn. 
DM and player aids to make gameplay uh, simple, fun, and immersive, like magic items, cards, NPC role-playing cards, story trackers, puzzle handouts, art pulled from the book, bless, NPC dialogue prompts, and pre-generated characters (laughs) with backgrounds, exclusive bonus encounter content with extended, sorry, to extend and expand your adventure, Stendo, four, count them four, that's more than three, less than five, Sets of wearable butterfly wings to get your players in the mood. And a plushie of Sir Talvar, the noble fairy dragon knight. I need to see pictures now. So there is Sir Talvar. He's got a little moustache. Oh my god! I believe he also has a little Velcro sword. Like, that sword sticks to his hand. Um... Here is the life-size unicorn. It's horn. about... Oh I watched the video for Arcane Arcade. It's about that long. Well, it's life-size. Well, it's so about they, that long. They hacked it off a real unicorn. <laughs> oh, oh, my, oh my guys, God. It's worth the money. <laughs> they got a, got a warehouse um, full of goblins. His little wanted poster. Here's a ticket. That carnival. Those wanted posters, if I remember correctly, are actually... um. There's a set of them, and they're all different depending on what part of the game you're in because they're different in different parts of the map because they have different graffiti on them, which is very cool. Very cool. Um, but no, this thing, gangster, straight up. So good. It looks, I want. I want one Beetle and Grimm set for something in my lifetime. Like I want, I want the one. fucking wings. I want. I want that witch light one. Hey, maybe we should all just chip in and buy it. And I'll okay. Run it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Done. I'll, I'll run it. There we go. It took some tough convincing, but you sold us. Okay. There we go. Problem solved, guys. That's how. And that's how you get results. Uh, so, uh, so that's not even that bad. I will not say this number out loud because I'm scared if I say it out loud, I'll cry. <laughs> it's, about, it's like 599 bucks. Uh, the, no, the, fuck you, I will. It's 710. It's 710. I was just saying, like, between <laughs> us three. No, it's just 736. Um, but do you want... If you guys could just sub to the Patreon, you know. We we'll just, run it for you. We just really appreciate it. The hustle never stops for Marco. We will, wow. Did we'll... you guys... I'm pretty sure you guys all said that you would, but, you know, I guess I'm just lying then. Is it okay to gaslight the audience? <laughs> 100%. Oh, cool. Now shipping. Limited quantity remaining. Yeah, They I only know. do a limited amount? Yeah, they only they only can for so long, you know what I mean? But then after that, I believe it's made to order. So it's like limited quantity of the initial ah. ones, and it's made to order. Ah, I think, because okay. you can still buy like the Ravenloft ones and the Curse of Strahd mm. ones. Well. Oh, I'd love to get that one. Just super quick. Um, Please. Um... I'm loving the fact that I'm introducing you both to a new adventure module and you're getting as much hype from it as I am. It's it makes so me feel like a surrounding cool. dad. I feel like, like I'm... It gives me True Blood vibes just because they're saying fairy a lot. Yes! Mm, right? I dig that. And like they were in a carnival, remember? Like when the fairies all came to, to Bon Tom and they were in like the like the circus tent. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think I think that's... it's. It's like a universal thing, like fey wild and fairies and stuff, like fey creatures, and it's like always carnivals or circuses, it's like that sort of stuff. But um, this gives me vibes of the, was it the Ravnica guild? Not the Ravnica guild. In the, in the Ravnica thing, the cult of Rakdos. The cult of Rakdos, because you know how they were all like circus performers. Circus performers. And you weren't freaks. there for. You weren't there for that episode. About that episode, I mean my episode, Sky. Um, that I made on the Guildmasters Guide. Part two is on Patreon now because I finally found where the file went and you guys can listen to it if you subscribe. Whoa, you can hear my pretty voice. 
Um, and my dry mouth. <laughs> God, I wish I had water for that one. <laughs> he was he was so nervous. Um, but there's like a there's certain guilds you can join in this city, and one of them is the Cult of Rakdos, and they're literally just described as like mad circus performers. Um, that sounds sick. It's very cool. Hellmental leather. <laughs> oh, that was a Metallica reference. Sorry. <laughs> wow, how about that book? <laughs> Well, what we can do here is I've I only want to read the little blurby bits about the the within the realm of Prismia, hither, thither, and yon. Such cool names. Yeah, like, like yonder, hither, thither. It's it's such a cool. Come thing. hither, come hither, come hither, come hither, child. <laughs> that, that, that's my that's my hag voice. <laughs> ah, I dig it. Come hither, child. When I think of hag, I think of like a hog raven from Skyrim. Huh? I'm gonna need. <laughs> Take your time to Google now. They're the old bird witches. They look like crows and they're old, like crones. You have to burn a, one of their heads in a thing to free the leader of the companions. Oh, Jesus. it's just my mom. <laughs> she doesn't listen to that The old witch. <laughs> ah, the queen witch. So, you good? You got it? Yeah, it's just like this one photo like I found. It's just like it <laughs> That's that's just it. <laughs> God damn. It's kinda like this photo, like this is a weird photo of them. <laughs> or like this photo. Oh, 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 How does that photo make you feel? Not happy. How does that make you feel? You know, I couldn't send that in our chat. I tried to send it twice and it says, you cannot reply to this conversation. Like, I'm getting zucked. (laughs) I think you you might have been. Anyway. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Cody, keep talking, baby. Cool. So chapter two covers the the realms of Hither, Thither, and Yon within Prismium. I don't want to go... I'll try and flick over a little bit to give some bits of information so it's not going to completely ruin it for everybody else, but just give you a good idea. It's here. So when the domain of Prismia was divided among the hags of the Hourglass Coven, Bavlorna Blightstraw transformed her portion into the swamp now known as Hither. If you would like to direct your eyes to the middle of the map. It is a foreboding place, one where daylight never fully penetrates the dank mist that hangs over the land and where cruel and mischievous bandits prey upon stranded and lost travellers. Hither is the realm of the present, where life and decay walk hand in hand, where creatures live in the moment not concerned with history or repercussions. Deep in Hither is Downfall, a shanty town built around an ancient well. Bullywugs occupy this element which surrounds Bavlorna's ghastly cottage. A bullywug, if you don't know, is frogmen. Oh. <laughs> Little frog guys. You can actually get like a mini, the... which I have one hidden in there, which is called a Bullywug Royal, and he's literally just a little frogman with a puffy neck and a cane and a monocle. That's cool, I saw that. Guy. I love that. Little frog man. Um Bullywugs, as of yet, I still do not believe are a playable race in D D. But there is a supplementary one that someone actually made that you can download online that is how to pay a Bullywug PC because Coldwell Tanner in Not Another DD podcast is currently playing a bullywug called Solomon Buffo. You wanna let him pay booze ball, Solomon Buffo? Booze ball is for the devil. I believe uh, Solomon uh, Solomon Buffo is like actually tied into like the actual scientific Whoa. name for frogs. Why is Seb make stuff such a handsome fella? <laughs> also, 
Look at that. Yes. I Look at that little turtle. Look at that beautiful little turtle. Turtle, turtle. So yeah, hither one of the three realms that you go to in the Feywild. Um, this kind of ties in with the Lost Things adventure hook. Uh, you guys get to use the story tracker to see if the witch actually has anything that the characters want to reclaim, if that's the one you want to use, all that sort of stuff. Um, after that, I believe there. You see, there is a there is a Prismia overview here which we can go over so prismia was a single feywild domain until the hourglass coven broke it into three splinter realms hither the vast swamp thither an ancient forest and yon a stormy mountainous landscape the only way to restore prismia to its former state is to free the archfey zabilna who was frozen in time and trapped in her palace which sits at the point where hither thither and yon used to be connected which i believe is right in the middle there of that tower does this have to be um, a part of that second? You know, you're talking about like the two different kind of ways you can go about it. And oh, one like of them the, was like, like the pacifist run, like that sort of stuff. No, 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 like the one where you like you, the the old wizard. Oh, the warlock. Yeah, like kind of approaches you and is like, find him. Like the the same guy you just referenced just then. I believe Zabilna, Zabilna? might be. What's the term? Like gender neutral. I think it's like just they are just a creature. They. I'm not really sure. Um, but like, do you? So they're a part of the story regardless of how you're introduced to them? Kind of, yeah. Zabilna, Zabilna is one of the key facets of the story. The story hooks just make it, help you determine which one you want, yeah. which way you come into it. One being you go to the Feywild or one being that you go to the Witchlight Carnival uh, from when you were kids and you're going as adults or one where you, whatever the second one, oh yeah, the Warlock says, hey, help me. Help <laughs> like, me. Help Comrade me. Warlock. <laughs> Help, friendly warlock. Please help, I am friendly fake creature. <laughs> Suka, Suka Blant. <laughs> please, please. Oh that was gosh. excellent. Cheeky uh, Bricky. He's wearing the cheeky Bricky mask. Cheeky Bricky. Oh, I love that. Uh, a domain divided. The poster map of Prismia, which again is that one behind us, shows the Feywild domain divided into four sections, the splinter realms of Hither, Thither, and Yon, and the Palace of Heart's Desire. These fragments are partitioned off from one another and the rest of the Feywild by walls of shimmering silvery mist. The, hu- the hags of the Hourglass Coven and their minions can travel freely between Hither, Thither, and Yon and the Palace of Heart's Desire simply by walking into or flying over the border mist, whereupon they are instantly transported to the border of whichever part of Prismia contains their intended destination. This map is cool. It is very cool. It's there's awesome. A, there's a, like an ant with a treehouse in him over here. Like, there's like a... Come see this. Come have a look at this. They're currently up looking at the map. There's like an... And, or like maybe it's just a tree that looks like a person. I realised I could have just like turned the book over and showed oh, it to you. The tree house in him. He's got a swing! I believe, yeah, I believe he actually is just a tree with a tree house in him. That is the cutest. Let's go! Oh, he's such a good boy. You're obsessed with the dog. But it's so cool. It looks like the cover of like a Pearl Jam album. I mean, I've never Literally. seen the I've never seen the cover of Pearl Jam album, but this is what I imagine it's like. <laughs> is there anything in the book about this like windmill thing here? Um, I actually don't recall. It's not named on the map because I've got a copy of that here as well, and I believe that is something that is just because if you see to the left in Yon, there's a place called Motherhorn. Yeah. Um, I believe it's actually slightly adjacent to that, but I don't believe yeah. it has any story relevance from my memory. But Aww. again, I haven't had a, I haven't had a chance to deep dive to really fine tune all the major details in case I wanted to run this. 
But yeah, that's um that's the map of Prismia, and it really gives yeah. you a good understanding of the way it plays out. Um, there's some. I'm gonna skip a little bit of the domain divided section and go into the friendly guides bit because there's actually a lot of characters. This is a really NPC heavy book that really gives you a lot to pick from as far as like people that interact with the party. In each of Prismia's Splinter Realms, the characters can find a guide, a disloyal minion of the Hourglass Covered who is willing and able to lead them from one Splinter Realm to another. While in the company of one or more of these guides, the characters can move through the mist, separating Prismia's Splinter Realms without being turned back. The guides are as follows. These are some of the wildest shit. Clapperclaw, a child-sized scarecrow, lives in Hither and can safely guide creatures from Hither to Thither or vice versa. The characters find Clapperclaw in Downfall, which is the town. Squirt, an animated oil can dwells in Thither and can what? safely guide creatures from Thither to Yon or vice versa. He's described in Chapter 3. I have the mini for that. He's a little tiny bell oil can and he floats. It's cute. Are these going to be characters from like... Um, Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz. Basically. <laughs> um, Amidor. The cowardly swa- blink dog. <laughs> You'll love this one, Margaret. Amidor, a swashbuckling dandelion, inhabits Yon and can safely guide creatures from Yon to Hither or vice versa. It also knows a route to the Palace of Heart's Desire. See Chapter 4, obviously. <sighs> yeah, he's like, you're a dandelion! That's cool. Oh my god. The dandelion knight! <laughs> Fuck really. no. Um, that's about the palace. Uh, there's rules of conduct about the rules that will exist within Prismia, the domain. Uh, rules of hospitality. When a friend, an enemy, or a stranger enters your home, you are expected to be gracious and accommodating to them until such time as they prove by their words or actions undeserving of such hospitality. Rule of ownership. You must not steal from a friend, an enemy, or a stranger. To take something that doesn't belong to you without the rightful owner's permission is a crime, an unforgivable breach of etiquette. And rule of reciprocal. Reciprocity, I believe is how you say that. Sorry, it's I'm a made-up word. Doesn't exist. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's D and D word, not real. Um, reciprocity, like to reciprocate. When a friend, an enemy, or a stranger offers you a gift, you are obliged to accept it and offer something of comparable value, oh. be it a gift or a service in return. Such reciprocation need not happen immediately. Oh. So it really puts a play on that when you come to the Feywild, you have to exist by their rules mm-hmm. and you are governed by their laws. Which again puts the players in it puts them in a really funky role play scenario, mm. like with that like sort of thing. Yeah. You could just drop a random thing in like that where it's like some like the little a little dandelion knight comes up and gives you a mini shield and it's like, Oh what the what the fuck? And you like disrespect him. Yeah. And it's like a whole thing, you know what I mean? It's so cool. That's I cool. love some of the stuff they put. Oh, it's good. it's put like some little dandelion gangster and he's like I may call you for a service one day <laughs> that you may repay this debt. <laughs> Yeah. As is the way of the Fey Wilds. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not never come. But when your dandelion dawn calls on you, <laughs> you'll do me this service. Sorry, I ran <laughs> I can't let his mother see him like this. Work look, your magics. Look how they massacred my boy. My poor dandelion boy. I watched as they, they plucked his petals, <laughs> saying she loves me. She loves me not. And all for nothing. As they ended on a, she loves me not. My God, it was horrible. <laughs> my boy. He died for a love that was not reciprocated. And you know the rules of reciprocation what? in the family. <laughs> Wait, which one's the dandelion? Is that the one you blow? Um, I actually can't remember. 
Well, it's, it's the one that um, Sid the Sloth eats in the last stage. Oh, no, no, no. It's just <gasps> one of those little yeah, the yellow ones that you see growing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. A dandelion. A dandelion. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw this horrible sloth. <laughs> he came and ate my boy. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> this Liz, this Liz Pavin fuck. <laughs> he ate my boy. <laughs> he ate my boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit <laughs> Anyway <laughs> So we will go to Wait 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 Wait. Why am I seeing I'm seeing the little yellow ones The little tiny yellow ones But I'm also seeing the ones that you blow away That's a dandelion Is that a dandelion? I don't know man You're like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry Cody there's way more important things happening right now Go for it bro Um Look, I don't know. The internet's broken. No, I'm pretty sure Dandelion is a plant with yellow flowers. Yes. Taraxum officinale. Would you like to see the proper descriptive picture of Satavala, the dragon? Yes. yes. Whoa. He's got a mustache. Whoa. So the way they signed it, they kind of put this book out is really clever because they only introduce the they actually introduce the character stat blocks as you go through the book which is kind of handy which is great you know they've got all the encounter maps for everything you've got to do in there like downfall and all that sort of stuff uh all the characters are uh, there's your bullywugs there your frog people you want to have a look whoa yeah <laughs> i dare say royal pain in my ass <laughs> But yeah, um, this one kind of spans out a little bit. Here we go. So we're on Thither. Here we go. So Thither is a sprawling fey woodland with a decaying core. With each passing day, Granny Nightshade's presence eats away at the forest trees and taints its denizens. The rot worsens the closer one gets to Loom Lurch, Granny Nightshade's lair. Uh, there is the tree guy with the tree, the hut on his back. Mm. I believe that is the same one, but yep. Yeah. Yep, that is Thither, so it makes sense. He looks like the guy from um, Never Ending Story. I was, was like, not going to say that. These hands. <laughs> These hands. The other guy. <laughs> Someone forgot where they parked their owlbear and chariot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving that thing a fucking ticket. You go get a good ticket. <laughs> hey, go go put a ticket on that owlbear. Oh, there he is. Squirt the oil can. Chuck, uh, chucklehead. Those little dudes. Oh, cute. Aww. I think they're little fucking heathens, to be honest. But Hey, you chucklehead. I like to imagine like a group of them running around or bumping each other's oh head. Like, their heads are yeah. falling off and stuff. Do you know what the noise would be? The noise of the tree spirits from Princess Mononoke when they shake their heads. Oh, like, yes. the, the wooden rocking noise. Uh, sorry, I have not, I, I have not seen well, Princess Mononoke. What are you doing? Uh, let's keep going. Just going through. Oh, <laughs> let me read. Let me read this to you. It's because you know how they have like the art sprawls halfway through the book. The forest of Thither is home to other strange creatures, including a giant storytelling spider named Yarn Spinner, who is detailed in Domains of Delight, a Feywild supplement on Dungeon Master's Guild. They actually put references to Dungeon Master's Guild. I love that name. Whoa. He tells stories. Tell stories to people. That's what they do. They go into the forest and they speak to, um, uh, was it Yarn Spinner? Yarn spinner tells them stories. That's cool. Yarn spinner. Yeah. Spinning a yarn. I love that. Damn, that's cool. Multicolored eyes and stuff. Um, like the webs go in between their legs, so it's like they haven't moved in forever. That's so like wow. fungi growing on. I love it. I, I love it. So how much. big it is, like for context, because those are only little animals. Well, look at it like this. That's a fairy right there. 
And a fairy is um, a fairy is considered a small creature, so they're only just bigger than like most of your foxes and stuff. Do you know what? That's very large. <laughs> now they're looking at it like, uh, like I was like, is that a fox or a mouse? That's um, a fox. Yeah, that makes it that. And a fo- like so considering a fox sitting up would be just to your knees, like maybe just under your knees. Mm-hmm. Big. Didn't know we had foxes in Australia. We do. So the last one is Yong. So Endolin Moongrave, the dame of unhappy endings, presides over this realm, and her penchant for theatrics has transformed the land around her. Storm clouds royal, shadows take on a life of their own, and the air is filled with a sense of impending dread. Carved into the realm's tallest pinnacle is Mother is Motherhorn Endolin's theatre, where hapless souls come seeking hope, only to leave after stark revelations of decline and despair, if they leave it all. So that is the theatre there to give you context as what theatre they're talking about. It's a huge oh, amphitheatre. Oh, sick. Gangster. Look, look, I I fucking reside to the fact that this book, in my opinion, is one of the best thought out D&D modules, in my opinion. I, like, my, you guys would know, I never bought the books for modules. I, I bought the books for monsters, for, you know, specialty bits in the books. Like, Icewind Dale has things about weather for storms and ice storms and stuff. This is the first time I ever bought a book. I bought this ex- on D&D Beyond and in physical form explicitly for the races and for the backgrounds. And the more I read it, I was like, I really want to run this. But obviously we jumped in headfirst into doing the, the podcast. Mm. There's no time. But now that like, we're, you know, we're kind of in the motion of like, we try to do one non-recorded game a month or every fortnight if we can. I think this is the one I want to run. Or yes. I want to play if someone else was going to run it. But I would love, if I was going to do it in a module, this would be, I'd love this to be my first one. I want it. Can I just steal the book tonight and I'll just learn it? If you'd like. Yeah, and then we can play this one. And we'll play that one as the one shot that you want to play. I mean, you could. Yeah. Done. Oh, there it's we go. done. Spicy. Spicy. Well, it, definitely not a one shot. This is a, this is a level one to eight. <laughs> That's fine. We'll just play it. I was going to say, if you could write a one shot based on the Fate Wild stuff, if you just want to try and write one up. Nope. I want to play that one. We'll start it and we'll So basically, start. yeah, Marco's going to start it and then we're just going to see what happens. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this one, obviously, again, don't want to go too far in because this starts breaking down like because they show them as you go to them. I don't want to dive in too much because yeah. it kind of breaks away from the story, but gives you a good idea of like what happens there. Uh, oh, there he is. Do you want to see the dandelion knight? Yes. yes. Oh. He's so much more suave than what I thought he was going to be. He's got a, he's got a bee familiar. <laughs> it's like it's like the bee is his best friend, but the bee drinks from him. It's like um, you know, in the new Suicide Squad where um, the bee is called Polinella. Oh, Polinella the honeybee, a uh, tiny beast. Uh, actions sting plus five to hit three piercing damage. That's what oh, she gets. Cute. But I like how every monster card in D and D has a proficiency bonus thing, so you can add your proficiency bonus to it if you choose. I would absolutely think that Polinella is proficient with her stinger. I would like... Oh, I'd let him sting me on purpose. Bro, Amidor the Dandelion, he's got like a rapier attack and he's got a seed sling. That's cool. <laughs> and he's got he's got parry as a reaction. Just to put that out there, this Dandelion shit. can parry your shit. That's insane. Obviously, there's the, um, like, you know, there's the expansion of like Yon map, so you've got no good idea of where everything is to show as the characters go through. I think it's great. I personally think, again, if we didn't get 
if no one bought the um the Beetle and Grimm's expansion mm. with all the extra maps, photocopying these would be excellent. So you yes. could hand these out to your players without having to hold up the book. Going back to what you said about Curse of Stride, you know what I mean? The the access to a DM, I think yeah. that would be my one thing. Just photocopy these. Scan yeah. them in. Actually, I believe you can actually... So if you buy the book on D&D Beyond, you can actually download and print the high-res copies of these from your D&D Beyond account. That's cool. That's it is very cool. D&D Beyond, I actually just found that the other day when I was going through this, doing a bit more research for it, looking for some creatures for something I was writing, and found out you can click on the pictures and there's a printer icon on there and you can Bluetooth it or Wi-Fi it to a printer. What were you writing, Cody? What were you well, writing? I was trying to write a Feywild one-shot and I couldn't get anything together because I just oh. didn't know a lot about it. But, um, yeah, I was, I was like, you know, you could do that. So it was that. Um, oh, my God, Giant Cyclops with a beekeeper outfit. Please. Please. Oh, my gosh. That is giant. That's huge. This book is just great for the pictures alone. Huge. But yeah, that basically is as much as I want to cover in the book, again, without going too much into adventure. And we kind of pride a little bit, but I don't think it's enough to ruin it. No. Which is great. But I think for what you get as a module, it's great. From what I read through it the first time and even today when I was recapping it again, this is a brilliant introductory adventure to D&D. It is a little bit tricky because obviously this is D&D in a realm that is not commonly explored in D&D, but I don't think people would complain with how fun and how good this adventure mm. is, in my opinion. It definitely, the just the aesthetic of it itself is... I'll give that to you, Marco, so you can take <gasps> that home. The aesthetic of it itself, like even just like seeing the pictures and stuff like that that are in the book, like it is... It, the pictures the pictures alone make me want to play it. Yeah. Like, is there something so intrinsically innocent yeah. about it? Which is what I like. I think for me, the classes alone were enough to buy the book to have something so intrinsically tied to like this whimsical part of fantasy mm, in D&D yes. was excellent. The Harrigans were awesome i love the harrigans as a race like they've got so much cool stuff the fairies are cool like why wouldn't you want to play a fairy or something like that you know what i mean and you can change that as well like uh, i remember talking to brie at the beholder about um a fairy character that she's writing and um she goes oh as a dm she's like what do you think for size and i was like well in my opinion you could make a you could make a pixie a fairy small oh yes uh let me real quick before i forget so Marco's just held up the picture of the campestries, which are singing mushrooms. It is, expli- it is explicitly stated that they sing in a high nasally voice. So the best effect is to hold your nose when you talk, guys, and sing the mushroom. They are captivated by music. Though they can't distinguish a well-played performance from a bad one. If anyone <gasps> plays an instrument or sings in the campestries vicinity, the little creatures will happily sing along. Each in an obnoxiously nasally falsetto as they dance and caper around whoever is making the music. They just love They can music. easily imitate lyrics and music. After a compestry has practiced a song or a piece of music three or four times, the creature remembers it forever. I'm going to die of cuteness overload. Oh my fucking God. This thing's possibly the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that book's oh got some gosh. wild creatures in it. Um, but yeah, the, the ability to change this to fit as well, like we're talking with Bree about um, 
like fairies and sizes, you know, like because like size small is halflings, gnomes, and um, halflings, gnomes. Oh, a jumble and, and fairies, fairies, yeah. But fairies can also be medium. They can also be full size. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is like that's at your DM's discretion, I think. I yeah. dig that. Living, living at dolls are creepy. That's just Sky's bedroom. <laughs> living dolls. How dare you? Sorry. But yeah, I, I'm super invested in this book. I remember buying it, reading over it a few times, and getting so hyped on it. I was so hyped, and then it's just sat on the shelf because I never thought we would ever get a chance to actually run a module, or do anything of the like, because you know we're so busy with this. But. The more I look at it, it's like the more I really want to play it. And like it, yeah. it compelled me to make a Harangon, a Harangon battle master fighter last night. Yes, I remember you sending his me na- that. Uh, his name is Kip. Kip, that's Kip. cool. I love it. Uh, Kip, the I'm, I'm a Harangon little little rabbit man. And so I thought that was really cool. He's got a sword and shield and stuff. And I was like, I just want to play a Harangon. And he's got... St- Jacked stats. Let me pull this up real quick. I'm going to go to D&D Beyond on my phone. Uh, not sponsored. Really wish we were. That'd be great. Yep. Um, Shoot your shot. Other D&D sites are not available. <laughs> it's kind of like the only thing available, right? Well, D&D Beyond has now been purchased by Wizards of the Coast. So. Oh, my God. So, you know what? I'm just going to... I'll just lay this out. So, Kip... I've got him set as a level three Harrigan fighter because we do most of our one-shots adventures at level three. It's where the fun stuff comes in. Um, plus two proficiency, 30-foot walking speed. I have plus five to my initiative rolls. What? What level is this? Three. Because I or I get a, I get a, um, I can add my proficiency bonus to my initiative <laughs> mm-hmm. as part of the Harrigan trait, so it becomes Fucking five. Hell. So you get 25 hoppy hops? 25 feet of your hop hops? I have five by five, yeah. 25 feet. Uh, my strength my strength is 15 plus 2. My dexterity is 17 plus 3. Uh, con Fucking con is 13 plus 1. Intelligence is just 10. And wisdom and charisma is 10. I maxed out strength dex con for this build. Uh, I'm also proficient in... Um, I have proficiency in strength and con saving throws. My passive perception is 12. Passive in and whiz is 10 and 10. But some of this stuff is just so sick. Uh, I've like I've plus five to acrobatics, plus four to strength checks, uh, plus two to deception, uh, plus two to perception, plus three to sleight of hand, plus three to stealth, and plus two to survival with my proficiency bonus as well. So like some of the stuff you can get as a harrigan are just incredible. Yeah, incredible. Great sword plus four to hit, two d six plus two, which is great. Um, rabbit hop, you know, bonus action, you can jump ten feet. Um, provoking opportunity attacks you can only use this trait if your speed is greater than zero you can use it two times blah 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 and then second wind as a fighter um, I also get action surge which is great mm-hmm. Superi- yeah, nice. superiority die so I can you know um, I have 4d8 for superiority dies that I can expend uh, what else do we have I've got um, I chose yeah I've got maneuvers so as a battle master fighter you can do weird maneuvers and fights uh, bait and switch disarming attack and a goading attack which is kind of cool I feel like that works so hand in hand with like a harrigan, like a little rabbit dude bouncing around with a great sword and a shield. Yeah, I dig that. I believe I have a shield. Uh, I do have a shield and I've got leather armor, yeah. So like even that as an example, using a harrigan for a fighter, it's just such a good build. And you can and as you get higher, you can just get more and more added to your bonuses. Like if I if I let every time I level up and I get a point increase. I'm probably, I might take one or two feats, but then I'm just going to max out my strength index mm. and my con every time. 
So one of the ones in there as part of the Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is you can do three plus ones to your things, or you can do one plus two, one plus one as part of your lineage thing. Oh, so okay. I put plus two to my dexterity and plus one to my strength to make Love sure that, that I have yeah, a, nice. with, a, with the maxed initiative. So even on, in like, let's, let's see. I hope this roll is decent to make it a point. Four plus five, still nine. So I guess that's kind of crummy. But let's, I'm trying to get something high. 15. 15 20. plus 5, 20. Yeah, so nice. The only, like, it's such an insane bonus. It's so good. That That's a nat 20 plus 5, 25. You're wasting all your nat 20s. Oh, no. Yeah, that's okay. I've got, I've got 5 d20s. <laughs> I've got 5 to pick from. I, I love it. And the idea that you can do this whole adventure without shedding one drop of blood. And they made that. That wasn't even something that appeared later. That was a conscious decision that Wizards of the Coast made when writing this book. I do like that. They're like, I, and I think it's just because it's the, in my opinion, it's the perfect place for it to happen. Th- that sort, that kind of pacifist run would never work in an all D D campaign. Mm. I think because that's, everything's trying to kill you in an all D D game. Exactly, I'm trying to kill you. In an Not only that, game. but it's it's thought provoking. Like when you have to go for a pacifist run, like. It, if you get stuck in between a rock and a hard place, you can't just start swinging to get out of it. Like, you have to really think about how you're going to progress exactly. forward. Exactly. And I think that lends itself to the replay value of While Beyond the Witchlight. While Beyond the Witchlight holds its replay value right in the fact, going off RNG, random numbers, like, you know, persuasion checks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You could get halfway through and then fail one persuasion check or deception check and then kick off a fight, and then you failed your pacifist run, and then you do it again. Mm. Every time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if it, there are some people that will do that. like They'll mm. replay modules because they want to... They, it's like yeah. redoing Dark Souls, like speedrunning or doing no-hit runs or doing only hands runs or only you know one sword, no armor runs, like that sort of stuff. You can set yourself these prerequisite challenges and be like, fuck yeah, I can nail this. Or like, I really want to do this because this seems fun. This is the perfect adventure for that without the the overbearing shadow of Curse of Strahd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I look at that coffin now and, like, my eyes just go... And black around the edges. I'm like, ooh, gives me the heat <laughs> jeebies. How long do you reckon this campaign takes to run? What, Beyond the Witchlight? Um, you know what? I That's a weird one because I definitely feel like that stems down to how quick your players want to do it and how much time they spend gallivanting around. Um, but you know what? Let's let's go. Um, average run time for Wild Beyond the Witch Light. Uh, how long does it take to run Wild Beyond the Witch Light? The first thing, the first is that the entire thing, which could easily take more than thirty or forty hours to play, depending on your group, is designed to be resolved without resorting to combat. So go. Go, we'll say 35, be modest, I don't have a calculator. Go 35 and we'll um, op- spread that, uh, divide by four. Our average session is about four hours. We'll do that. So 35 divided by four. That is about nine sessions. That's pretty quick for a D&D <laughs> campaign. No. I mean, when you, when, you, when you really think about it. If you're putting as much time as we are into it, if you're playing with a group that's every single week, you can commit to four hours a week. Yeah. That's still going to be like three months. Yeah. Yeah. But 
of the same story. Some can, how long did your Curse of Strahd campaign run? Uh, I think you can clock <laughs> it up to about 120 hours. <laughs> okay, this quick one. <laughs> I mean, it's not a one-shot. <laughs> but the thing is, if you really wanted to, you probably could compress it down. You could. Yeah. Like, I really think you could. If you, if you, you know, if you fucking reckon you're worth your salt, you could go, you could drop your players in. As an example, you could drop us in at level three and go... The Warlock says, hey, this is about to kick off. We need you to go here in the Feywild and go do that. And you could, if you wanted to. I think it takes away from the beauty of Wobby on the Witchlight. But you could, if you wanted to. Yeah. And then you just... And then if you do the miniaturized one-shot version, you're like, you know what? I really like this. Let's run the full thing. Mm -hmm. And you just... And for for us, it's kind of easy because we meet once a week at least. We could just go, you know what? One week a month, one weekend a month, we might do it on a Saturday during the day instead of recording up until 12 o'clock at night. And then just bang out a fucking four or five hour sets, just yes. playing while we're on the witch light. Pig out on snacks like we used to where they're going. I like I, I think that's the beauty of that module. It might be Yeah. Do I I think is probably in the top five modules. I like and I've never run a module, but I read a lot about them. That's probably the top five for me. Easily. So yeah, I reckon it's definitely up there for me as well. I just, like, without even playing it and having, like, a real decent read into it, I really like the sound of it. I'm pretty sure this is the most information I've dumped on used consistently mm. about a module in one go. It's, I love it. I've loved it since I bought the book, and I was like, there's never going to be a chance we'll be able to run this. Yep. But now that we've got, like, a good routine, I feel like we could. But... Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I love everything about it. The eye... The, not the eye, but, like the whimsy of it draws me in running it would be great playing it would be even better mm-hmm. i think i think as a i really think this is like this is a player's campaign this is a player's module like this yeah. is definitely something like you want to you want to do this yeah 100 percent for yourself I'd, I'd love to go i'd love to go crazy as a dm on this one like i'd love to immerse myself into the world of this one and like and warp it into my sick twisted mind that is marco and there's already a a carnival going on in my brain every day so that's it the the bear in the the little car (laughs) the ballet oh you're gonna see a little bear in the car again huh um i'd I'd love to to like just write like i could mm, beautiful beautiful setting i love this setting this is Mm, I'm waving the book in the air in mad fashion. <laughs> I love the setting. I could use that a billion times and a billion times over that. Um, I love that. And I can't wait to play it. I and by that, I mean run it. I can't I'm, wait to run it. I'm excited to see you run it because I feel like that lends to your creative background super well with the characters. Because I'm a I'm a circus freak? <laughs> no, because you're a wonderful actor. Oh, and I character thought it was about how you found me in the, in the circus. <laughs> I found him throwing lemons in the air and catching them with his mouth. Everybody, come and watch me throw one lemon in the air and catch it in my mouth. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. So let's um, let's pull up the 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 final questions that you had at the end of that you, the for notes for the Ravnica, which were really Uh-oh. good, like viability and all that sort of stuff. I don't think I saved the questions, so we have to freeball them. Oh no! So. We'll go with, I guess, the first one, buyability. Buyability. Like, straight up, is it worth your hard-earned bucks? Let me look. Oh, yeah. 
Marco's. Uh, I don't even care right. what number it is. I'm fucking I believe buying it. At, at Zing, where I bought my hard copy from, it was $60. Yeah, I'd pay that for that, 100%. I'd pay the $710 for the Platinum Edition. Oh, you know I would if I could. Uh, it's an adventure or a source book. This is an adventure. I actually hope that they bring out a source book after this to really hammer home the Feywild because I think that would be excellent. But you know what? I feel like this gives you enough information where you can. Can I do du- uh, Can I do Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty next? <laughs> do you want to read about it? Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it and read it. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but I believe I'll be on the Witchlight was sixty. Ooh, wait, what? Wait, what's yours? On D&D Beyond, while Beyond the Witchlight, um, you know this is an American pricing, so let me just convert. It was at $29.99. Uh, it is on sale from $29.99 to $23.99. Which would be about 30 bucks Australian. About half price. I'm just going to go 30 USD to AUD, because we'll just do it full price. Yeah. Um, that's $41, $42. $42. And I still had to, and I still paid more because <laughs> I bought it from Zing. It was and you know what, if you're yeah, And you know, if you're buying it on like sale at $23, that's $32. Shit. I was going to say, that'd worth be worth every penny. If you want to get the digital copy to have access to all of it, definitely. Yeah. So for me, buyability, yes, it is worth every dollar, if not even just for the races. The adventure's great. The creatures are great. The characters are great. You can easily drop this into any campaign setting, or even if you like, like we said, if you if you're really banging out your D and D sessions, you can finish that up quite quickly, and still run it again with change. Did you get yeah. the big map with just the book? Uh yep, that comes with the book. Oh, cool. So you can just, and then if you buy the digital copy, you can print the big map because yes. you get the digital copy, which is excellent. I mean, you get the. You get an A4 piece of the big map. <laughs> no, it's it's high res, so you can print it on A3. Oh, yeah. very nice. <laughs> um, yes. I think the next one yes. was. Who is it catered to? Who is it catered, Who's to? catered to? We've got the DMs, we've got the players. We've everybody. Everybody. I'd everybody. say it's pretty evenly spread, to be honest. A DM, like like you said, like I said, like I said to you, if I was ever going to write a module first, this is the first one I'd run. Mm, mm. I just opt not to because we do so much work with the home campaign. Mm. This is the first time I've ever really bombed you with information about it and you want to run it and mm. I really want to play it. This caters to everybody. It is a fantastic Ooh, book. Yeah. It is written mm-hmm. incredibly. It is not so ridiculously over the top that it's crazy. I personally think that as an introductory adventure to D&D, this might, might even knock Dra- Waterdeep Dragon Heist out of the top. Waterdeep Dragon Heist is phenomenal at introducing players to the world of Dungeons and Dragons and Thieves Guilds and, you know, Waterdeep, the city. Like, you know what I mean? It's such a big campaign setting. It's existed in D&D for years. This one is just that. Like, yes, it's not main material playing D&D, but it's still good enough. If you mm. had someone that goes, hey, I really want to do a D&D campaign to get into it, but you don't want to like bombard them with all the information of like Waterdeep and having to do like this yeah, super sleuth like adventure that. shit. Yeah. Just run Wild Beyond the Witchlight, man. Yeah. It's one to eight. And you can continue those characters into Waterdeep. It's not a problem. You can absolutely do that. You could follow up this campaign into any one of the other modules as long as you, you've you got your worth in salt, you know what I mean, to like time in together. I think it's... Per- I personally think it's probably one of the most perfected D&D modules out of the however many times that I've read them and gone over it. And yeah. I think, I it's, think it's incredible. I think this is like... If you got everything, like every 
high fantasy thing ever and just put it into a book. Like this is it. This has a bit of everything. This is this is your ye olde knights of the round table meets Alice in Wonderland. It's very Alice meets, in Wonderland. You know, the dark carnival. <laughs> Everything yeah. for your juggalos and your yes. juggalettes. You can play a juggalo too. Hey, you're a witch light hand. You can literally be a juggalo. Um, I think this is awesome. I love this. Yeah. I love this. I want to play it. I want to read it. And even if I didn't play D&D, I would use this and I would write a book based on it. You know, because the setting is just incredible. I it love it. Yeah. It's it's like someone took Alice in Wonderland, which is already like someone smoked a pipe. And, and turned it on crank. And yeah, put it on that... That Russian stuff that turns you into a crocodile. Crocodile. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, that's what this is. This is insane. I think this is turning our story up to like 11. Uh, and I love it. I love it. And I'm going to I'm gonna read this hard copy and I'm going to buy the digital version. Um, so I can yeah, have can, it with you me. You can borrow my hard copy. It's going to be great. I'll definitely want to buy the cooked. I'm crazy. I love it. I'm just looking at the front cover. I'm seeing a carnival. I'm seeing a jester man. I'm seeing the goblin version of Don Corleone. It's, um, um, they're called Shadarkai. They're like Shadowfell elves. I love him. Yeah, that's it. I love him, and he's holding the compass. They've got um, they've got excellent. They've got stat blocks in there. Actually, if you actually scroll to the um, there's a section where it has their stat blocks. They have like insane abilities. It's awesome. They're right, right at the beginning. What about you? What about you, Sky? As far as like you know, buyability and all that sort of stuff, like. Oh, Again, yeah. you guys uh, are both first timers, like really hearing about this. What do you think? A hundred percent. I I think for what the the forty Australian dollars it costs. Digitally, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, even digitally, like I'm I, still crying. I'm like forty dollars. Paid sixty. <laughs> like I, yeah, no, I I think it's definitely worth every penny for for this one. I like it just. Flicking through just the beginning there, and like later on, I'll probably go through and read the actual like uh, adventure itself. Uh, just from the small snippet that we've explored um, in in this um, recording, like I just I'm so intrigued. It's like it's like whisking my imagination away with me, and like I've I've barely even I feel like I've barely even delved into how deep it can go. Um, and like in terms of its catering, hundred percent, DMs, players, it just—it's an all-rounder. Like it—it's—it it covers so many bases from what mm. we've seen already, and it—it it has massive potential to be, you know, new player, new DM friendly. Definitely, that's what I think. Now I'm trying—I'm trying to remember the, the questions that we used to have at the end of the sessions. But it was like, I was like, we'll go um. Uh, five out of uh, one out of five uh, carnival tickets. What are you're we only, you're up to out of five. Out of five. Out of five. Five carnival um, tickets from this guy. Five carnival tickets. Six carnival tickets from this guy. Out oh. of a possible. Out of five. Six out of, out of five. five. Okay, well I'm gonna stick to the in the parameters. Good for you, you square. I'm gonna rate it seven and a half mad jugglers <laughs> out of seven point seven five mad jugglers. I'm only marking it down because I don't own it yet and I haven't played it. Um, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but that's just me being lazy and not playing it or reading it yet. Um, but I think it's perfect, just we're, the way it is. Yeah, we're, we're getting Marco onto the aspect of like all these extra books and stuff. <gasps> <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't wait. I'm gonna oh, dig right into this bad boy. Oh my god. <sighs> wait. Yeah, I can't wait for Marco to run it so I can I can play. I can play Kip the bunny man. Keep the bunny man. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. But yeah, um, that's basically all I've got. Mm-hmm. If anyone wanted to add anything extra to that, like I said, mm-hmm. it was super quick. Nothing too foregone. You know, it's not a campaign setting book. It's an adventure book, but it gives you a good idea of where you can start it. And I, I really, I think it's one of the best and I really enjoy it. So unless anyone else has got anything they want to add in, I think we're pretty good. You can't doubt perfection. You can't can't make perfect what's already uh, perfect. What are we going to cover next, next time on Why Before You Buy? Well, we did have um, we did have the poll up on Patreon, which oh. had Wild Beyond the Witchlight, uh, Van Richten's Humblewood, and Tasha's Guide to Everything, and Xanathar's Guide, Tasha's Cauldron and Everything, and Xanathar's Guide to Everything. But now we've done Witchlight. I don't know. I kind of like the um. I like just sort of going through like you know the the books we have access to, but um, I'm just looking at like the different like source and adventure books. Yeah, um, source books and adventures are very different because the adventures does... are like the campaigns, whereas the sources are like. Do you know the what settings. I'm going to do? Um, the total package. <laughs> the total package. That's a special Patreon only one. It's a Patreon only episode. The Where we package. we cosplay as the as turtles. Fuck. I'm just gonna up. stick a bunch of pillows under my shirt and walk in like. Well, it comes out uh, on the 17th of May, which is super soon, and it's on sale at the moment. I want to do. Uh, I don't really know if it's one that I can do a whole thing on, depending on what what it is. It? Um, is it Mortar Cannons? Mordekainen presents Monsters of the Multiverse. Oh, you mean that book that I've got right there? <laughs> I've had that book. I had that book weeks before it came. It was meant to come out because our gaming shop got them already. They were gaming shop exclusives, the white covered ones. Really? That's Mordekainen's Tome of Foes. It's the original one. That white case one is the uh, the alternate covers that were game shop only exclusives. That's groovy. So yeah, I got ahead. That's where my new DM screen came from. But yeah, Mordekainen's. Morning Kanan's Monsters of the Multiverse is great because that's where they started reevaluating what? old monsters and new monsters. What? Includes over 30 playable races. What? I forgot about that what? bit. I have to buy this for D&D Beyond. What? I don't even have 30 right now and I have like 50 source books. What? I think Jeez. that allows you to play it allows you to play drow, bugbears, hobgoblins, like variants of hobgoblins, um, so it includes over thirty play races. Monsters of the Multiverse brings all of the game setting, uh, the game's setting agnostic races. That's one word: setting agnostic mm-hmm. uh, races. So as I imagine races you encounter but can't play. Yeah. Uh, into one book and adds even more options for your next character created on D and D Beyond's character builder, updated format that makes playable races relevant for any class on any world in the multiverse. Oh boy. Well, I think we found the uh, found the next book. Wowee! Lordy. Because I did over, for the monsters. Includes over 250 monsters to challenge your players. Um, multiverse of lore. Includes updates to monster lore. Fuck. We don't care about that. We care about 30 playable races. You want to play as a rat? <laughs> <laughs> you, you want rat people? We got rat people. That actually reminds me. Um, I backed a Kickstarter last year. Uh, for Ghostfire Gaming, who do heaps of D&D 5e stuff, and they actually released a book called uh, Ghostfire Gaming's. It was uh, Grim Hollow, the Monster Grimoire. So this was the monster supplement book to go with their Grim Hollow campaign setting. Mm-hmm. I'm due to get the physical copy of that 
uh, hopefully next month or the month after. I can't remember exactly mm. where it is, but when I get that physical copy, I would love to go through and do like a top 10 monsters from that because yeah. I've, P- I've got access to the PDF file and I've been reading through some of them to see if I could slip some into our campaign. Um, and there's just some outrageous stuff in there, mm. like pet ooze, like pet gelatinous cube ooze. That's cool. It's wild. Know. Yeah, it's like... Bleh. And like... Uh, like Headless Horseman stuff, like even though there's one in Van Richten's is like like weird stuff, and like there's one that's like people that are like Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. where they have like abnormally large hands and like but like they go to like normal arms, they look These like hands. like giant yeah. monsters, like it's crazy, like that stuff looks cool. So definitely want to do that when that comes in. Well, I'm definitely buying this one. I mean, I could cheat and just look at your book, but I'll just wait. And then write an episode on it on May 17th. What's May 17th? What day is that? That is... Two weeks, isn't it? Two and a half weeks? Um, four weeks. <laughs> you were close. That is a Tuesday. Perfect. It comes out on a Tuesday. We'll record the next day on the Wednesday. <laughs> so Marco's going to get it Tuesday morning. Write the episode Tuesday. Record Wednesday night. Hell, if I'm quick enough, we'll do a Tuesday night. <laughs> Cool. We can do Spell Jammer when that comes out. I definitely want to do Spell Jammer. Yes. The little bit. Um, if you have a DD <clears throat> Beyond account, um, like not the free version, you actually get access to some of the monsters Ooh. already. <laughs> Sorry. So, so I was like, well, obviously, because I paid for it, so I can give you guys the links to my books, so you can mm. build characters with the books. But as an example, I'll go into DD Beyond right now and cover a couple of those. You know what? We'll add this to the end. Why not? So Monstrous Compendium, Volume One, Spell Jammer creatures. So we just got a couple. It's only 10. That is an example. I'll read them through and just see what blows your mind. Asteroid Spider. Clockwork Horror. Eldritch Lich. A Fractine. A Gadabout. A Goon Balloon. What? <laughs> Welcome to Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gone around already. A, a Nightmare Beast. A Puppeteer Parasite. A Star Lancer. A.K.A. Space Shark. Or... An Yggdrasty. Just so you guys really get an idea. I want to see the a, fucking Goombag. That's a Star Lancer. I'm Googling that right now. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, well, where's the Goombag though? The goon, the... Oh, the Goom Balloon? Yeah, it probably does look like, like that after a couple of fucking wines, eh? <laughs> it's, uh... it's what I look like after Goom. The Goom Balloon bursts when it drops to zero hit points, releasing Noxious Gash and a 10-foot radius sphere centered on itself. So creatures in that area must succeed on a DC-12 con save or be poisoned for one minute. A poisoned Jeez. creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself. It's basically just a little walking nuke on legs. But, yeah, so that's just... that. The Eldritch Lich blew my fucking mind. It's, like, literally just... An, like an Eldritch Horror Lich. Ooh. It's so gangster. Oh, That's cool. It's so good. Um, I believe it's actually slightly weaker than a normal Lich. Um, no, sorry, I lied. It's stronger. It's got more hit points. A normal Lich only has like something like 100 and something or something like that. This is like 165. Shit. And um, from beyond the stars, a great old one whispers promises of reality-defying knowledge and world-bending power. When a wizard or a warlock hears that whisper and listens to intently, they might set foot on the twisting path to become becoming an eldritch lich. Like other liches, eldritch liches are spellcasters who have cheated death, but an eldritch lich does so by allowing a great old one to implant a far realm parasite in the lich. The parasite bestows undeath upon the spellcaster and causes strange tentacles to sprout from their body. 
Parasite's mouth is visible on the Lich's torso and the Parasite guards the Lich against destruction, reviving the Lich after a few days after death. Canny foes can sabotage an Eldritch Lich's revival by slaying the Lich in a magic circle, thereby forcing the Lich to return in a distorted form, robbed of most of its power. An Eldritch Lich constantly hears bizarre whispers from the Far Realm, to which the Lich nod and mutters. Occasionally, the Lich uses its telepathy to share those whispers with the minds around it. So, like, it's constantly whispering and talking to itself. So sick. Scary. Yikes. I cannot wait for Spelljammer to come out. It comes out in August. I'm so upset because D&D so Beyond, Beyond has a sale on the whole Spelljammer set where it costs, it's like 30, instead of being 59.99 because it's a Instead of 49, com- it's 39. Yeah, it's like a huge compendium. I want to get it though because Spelljammers are sick. They're like giant astral sea boats that like spellcasters can pilot. So, I want it. Oh, it sounds so fucking cool. It sounds so good. But, alas, we digress again. I think that's going to be us. I don't think we actually have anything else we want to, we, anyone wants to cover. Like, we, you know, we know what books we want to do, all that sort of stuff. So thanks so much, guys, for listening. <gasps> that was actually a bit of a quick one. But again, you know, not a campaign setting. It's an adventure module. But, you know, an hour, quick an hour one, and Quick looking at the thing that says an hour, 43 minutes. <laughs> well, considering usually we can go on for like three hours at a time. Very yeah, true. also. But Fair here's enough. not us, not to us saying that we're not going to just record something after this. I mean... You know, true. But we'll never know. You'll never know. But I think with that, thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, we're gonna uh, do the usual suspects. We have four Patreon subscribers, oh. guys. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> Bro, oh my god! But we have Shannon K, Jake C, Caleb B, and please remind me the fourth one. Tedros Firesa. Yes, thank you. So, T T F. <laughs> T F. Just call him Teddy. Teddy. Teddy boy. We appreciate what you guys have done from the bottom of our hearts. We love you very much being able to support us to do this. You're it's putting great. minis on our table. You're putting food in our bellies. You're putting books in our hands so we can continue to write and play these ridiculous games. We appreciate you guys. And it. we appreciate it very much. Um, plugging Bree at underscore die the beholder underscore on instagram she makes all the custom dice that we buy and use i've got a couple of set i've got a couple of now sitting in my dice tray with more on the way got a custom set coming i believe marco's also got a custom set coming and uh i think sky and the rest of the guys are about to finalize their orders also huge shout out to guys of reckless creatures um marco and sky got um their shirts delivered today yeah we the curse did. of stride thank you shirt it looks Epic. It looks like those old metalcore album covers that I used to love back in like so the two cool. thousands. Beware the curse. Oh no, he's he could be like Transylvania. So like beware the curse of Stred. But we. I want to fudge your rolls. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tried. I tried um, real hard for that one. I'm sorry, guys. You should expect better of me in the future. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Um, hopefully, I'm. Uh, we're hopefully working hand in hand to have the guys of Reckless Creatures come in and do a one shot that we're writing yes. for them. So I've got, I've got the three guys. I've got some of the guys from the Reckless Creatures team coming in to do um, just me and three of the players. I'm going to do a one shot for them. That's going to be awesome. Uh, name to be confirmed, but hopefully they'll be out soon in the next couple of weeks. Um, all of our sound effects we use for our episodes are at Michael Gelfi Music. Obviously, we don't do them in the wild before you buy, but it's last to plug anyway because. You know, he makes incredible stuff and he doesn't really ask for money for the TTRPG community and all that sort of stuff, which is great. You can go support him on Bandcamp and Patreon if you'd like, though. 
Uh, also, huge shout out to Seb at Seb Make Stuff, Seb.makes.stuff on Instagram, or just Seb Make Stuff on YouTube. Um, he's given me so much inspiration about stuff to make for our games, as like uh, at the back of one of his episodes, doing a carousel for his Wild Beyond the Witchlight board. We sort of yes. corroborated on build styles because I was making a carousel for something else mm-hmm. that will hopefully appear at some point in a special one shot that we I want to do. And you know, his new video came out. the The turtle, uh, I guess, tortoise, like Galapagos tortoise, um, traveling merchants with the druids. It looks so cool. He's just so good at it. He's so relaxing to listen to, and he just does cool videos. We love it so much, but he's been backing us heaps, and we back him. Thanks, Seb. You're an absolute legend and a madman. And the guys at Cloud Kill Clothing, who we've been plugging quite a bit recently, you know, we've had a bit of interaction with them, but they just do cool D&D merch. They just released the DM series of shows. I want Brandon Lee Mulligan and Abria Iyengar because yes! I love them so much. Like, I love Matthew Mercer. Like, Daddy mm-hmm. Matt well, is the be-all, end-all of DMs. But Brennan and Abria have special places in my heart, so I want those shirts very badly. Uh, we're also going to plug uh, ba- Bailey, our friend who did our official character artwork that we have on our Instagram and currently hanging on our wall. I love to look at it to remind me and try to remind me why I love you people. Um, <laughs> L-A-M-A-E-N-D-I-R-R for Bailey's Instagram. I'm glad you remember. Where can we find uh, you and Bailey, Sky, when you guys are drawing love? Oh, when we're on Twitch, we are all caffeine, no talent. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you weren't meant to say that loud. I'm sorry. We're all thinking it. <laughs> She's sensitive. <laughs> oh, so my sensitive. God. Good. But you know what? I think that's us. I think we're good. Mm. This has been a fantastic uh, little dive into Wild Beyond the Witchlight, a Feywild adventure. Uh, if you guys like what you hear and you want to support us, you can find us on www.patreon.com forward slash ODAM official, where we have three tiers, five, ten, fifteen dollars uh, the Acolyte, the Warrior, and the Protectors of the Realms, which just give you access to different stuff. You get access to a moderated Discord. You can come chill out and hang with us. And even if you don't want to get access to the Discord, you don't have to take it. You can just listen to the bonus episodes we put up, like part twos and all that sort of stuff. We try to get out at least one bonus episode a month if we can, one extra. And you also get access to back chats before they go live so you guys can mm. hear them. Um, generally, I try to do them about two days after the main episode comes out. Back chats are also a little bit harder. We all work full time and all that sort of stuff. But probably going to reevaluate that Patreon so you guys can actually get more for what you spend your money on. So that'll be coming forward soon. Um, you can find us on Instagram at of dice and magic. That's A and D, not the ampersand. But on Facebook, it's of dice and magic with the ampersand, where we sometimes post it. You can also find me on TikTok on TikTok at odamdm, where we post videos from our role plays, from sessions, recordings, and you know photos and just catch ups and stuff like that. And yeah, a lot of content goes up there too if you want to have a look. But you know what? I think for now, we're good wrapping up on the Wild Beyond the Witchlight dive episode. Uh, this is going to be Cody, Marco, and Sky signing off. You guys have a lovely night. Goodbye now. Bye. See you guys. Produced by Metallic Thunder Podcasts.